The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. TV and streaming time with Elaine Burke and Joe Shea. But Joe, to start, there was a cracking story in the Business Post yesterday about Dermot Bannon and Room to Improve. For those who may not have seen it, tell us about it. Yeah, this is a very unusual one. Everybody knows Dermot Bannon, of course. Everybody knows Room to Improve. And it's a hugely popular show. And it's Dermot Bannon. Every, you know, every week he goes along, gets a house, advises the people uh, or berates them sometimes on how to improve it. And they do it and they get to the end and they have a glass of champagne and they're all done. Strangely, the state, the state's construction regulator, right? So that, so the, uh, the, the National Building Control and Market Surveillance Office, which is basically in charge of making sure that, uh, you know, there's compliance with building regulations. They wrote to Dermot Bannon, uh, and they, they said to him, um, and the Department of Housing, <laughs> and RTE and said listen Dermot we love your show it's really good everybody loves it it's great fun and all that kind of stuff but we are we notice that you regularly do not you're not in compliance with building regulations or something along those lines so actually it was, it was it, it, to quote Larry directly you know, it was a, a lady called Mairead Phelan who's the head of the NBCO she wrote to, to directly to Dermot Bannon and said I've been asked to write to RT on many occasions regarding the building regulations and compliances uh, and in particular some of your episodes where it appears that a lot of effort goes into the entertainment and the look of the building but uh, uh, rather than building control compliance um, so yeah so Dermot Bannon's been wrapped on the uh, on the wrist there even for, on for, his own for, house this is what yeah. the- I thought, house, which which yeah. I thought was one of the funniest parts yeah. because they gave out to him apparently that uh, his rear paved decking area was at the same yeah. level <laughs> as the internal floor of his house. Yeah, apparently that's a problem with moisture resistance from the outside <laughs> and his windows are too big on his, on his own house and that's obviously a common feature in a lot of the architecture that, that Dermot does on the show. But it seems to be, there seems to be what's happening here is that the regulatory body was getting complaints from local councils who are having to deal with this kind of on the front line where people are trying to renovate their houses room to improve style and they're not like getting away with it with the terms of compliance. So they're actually saying... But Dermot Bannon did it like that in the telly. I think that's what's happening. (laughs) If he can get away with it, why can't I? Why can't I have my decking at the same level as, as, you know? (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, anybody who works in a house in Ireland, anybody does a renovation, they'll know how insane the regulations are after getting and how many hoops you have to jump through to do it all. So, yeah, even Dermot Bannon is, is not exempt from all of that. Okay, so Elaine Burke, how excited are you by the return of Love Island tonight for its first winter series since the pandemic? I may get fired from this slot. I don't watch Love Island. I've never watched Love Island. It's I've never caught the Love Hold Island on a second. <laughs> Jennifer Gannon did the spot for years and before she had to leave us, she was obsessed with Love Island and we've hired a replacement who hasn't even watched it. I'm so sorry. It's just I've never caught up with it, but... It's something that I'm constantly aware of because half the people I know are obsessed with it and you kind of can't escape it when it's on and it's on twice a year now because it's back for its winter show in South Africa. They haven't done one since pandemic and uh, they've got a new host. Maya Gemma is replacing Laura Whitmore. See, I know all the, the stuff. But I just don't Joe, watch the Joe, show. Joe, does that mean you're going to have to watch it for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it falls to me, Matt. <laughs> the poison chalice of having to watch. But listen, I'm, I'm in Cork at the moment. It's snowing. It's freezing. It's dark. It's Blue Monday, apparently, the, the worst day of the year. So, do you know what? A bit of winter sunshine and a bit of Love Island actually sounds perfect. But funny enough, one of my colleagues who would have been a Love Island summer obsessive was telling me today she won't be watching it because it's the wrong time of year. There's lots of other things to watch on the television at present, which she says you don't have during the summer when it's on. 
That's a good point. And I mean, it is a real summer, you know, it's, it is a real summer show and people do get into it. And actually, you know, there's, there's bars in Cork and I know in Dublin as well that have kind of Love, uh, Love Island watching kind of like um, cocktail hours and stuff like that. It's going to get an audience. It, I, I, I'd be very surprised if it didn't get an audience. And I think it's going to get a very big audience. One of the guys on it, um, it just this stuck out for me. One of the guys on it, his profession is described as TikTok farmer. Um, which what? either he, yeah. So I'm guessing he doesn't work in social media. I'm guessing he's like one of those influencers who's a farmer and he's on TikTok rather than he farms TikTok. But it just kind of you know, it's it's a, it's again it's a mad mix. There's an airport security officer in there. There's a, a teacher. There's a TV salesman from Doncaster here. So, and there's a couple of celebrities in there as well, including a former um, a former Bond girl, well, a girl, a, a, an actress who was in the last Bond movie. So. It, you know, people are going to tune in because it's a very popular show. Okay. Uh, let's come back to you, Elaine, and tell us about that 90s show. Hang on. Yeah, oh, this makes me feel so old. So uh, people my age might remember that 70s show was popular kind of teen comedy uh, back in the 90s. It launched in 1998 and it was depicting a show from 1976 that was the nostalgia it went for so 22 year age gap it's now 28 years from the 1995 that they're depicting in that 90 show and I hate that I hate that number I don't like it at all but yeah uh, we have Kitty and Red the parents from the original That 70 Show are back and now they're looking after their granddaughter who is now a teenager and seems to be going through um, the same tropes of the original show where she's kind of going to take over their basement with her gang of friends and they're going to have guest stars from the original show um, like her parents are obviously uh, Topher Grace and Laura Prepon from the original show. They're also going to have guest stars from some other like 90s teen dramas. Brian Austin Green from Beverly Hills 90210 is listed as a guest star. Leigh Michelle from Glee, which is more of a naughties uh, TV show, is also listed as a guest star. So it it might have extra nostalgia because it's nostalgia for the 90s and nostalgia for the original That 70s Show. But I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if anyone was asking for the show. I am happy to see Kitty and Red uh, back on the TV screens. You give it a go, will you? I might give it a go. It's on Netflix uh, as of uh, the 19th of January, so it's dropping this week and we, all of it will be there to watch, watch at once. Joe, just looking back at the year past and uh, it seems without uh, the TV audiences for big COVID announcements uh, that would have been in previous years dominant, other than the Late Late Toy Show, what were the biggest things for Irish people to watch on television? Sport and just sport. Uh, the Late Late Show, Toy Show was the number one show. And after that, the, in the top ten, the re- the other nine are all major sporting occasions. So it's just, it's a reminder. We're like, we're talking about Love Island. We're talking about Room to Improve. Oh, well, Room we're to Improve came number 13 yeah, in the Yeah, number 13. Yeah, we did, did very well, yeah. But we're also, like, we can talk about Happy Valley, you know, like that, that show that everybody's talking about at the moment. But it's always going to be sport that dominates the ratings and Rupert Murdoch was the guy who realised that back in the early 90s when he created you know, Sky and the Premier League and it all took off and that's what made his, his, his empire form and it's still to this day and it's interesting that we're very kind of Catholic in our taste as well because the, the top nine has a GA hurling and football it has Six Nations. It has the the the, the, uh, the the World Cup that's just gone past, and it, it it seems to be that Irish people, if if there's an Irish team playing, uh, you know, especially Six Nations, massive massive audience for the Six Nations, which is very good news for for the guys who got the rights to the to the World Cup that's coming up again as well. It's sure to get a huge audience as well. Okay, so let me see what other things we have. Well, actually, when it turns to sport, I see Netflix is now going to, Elaine, be looking at this year's Rugby Six Nations to do a documentary, a bit like Drive to Survive, which for motor racing. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So obviously, like viewing figures for sport are really, really high. We're all aware of that. It's the only appointment to view television that's really left out there, apart from like major news announcements when they're happening. And uh, I think Netflix's best route to get a slice of this pie is through this docu-series model. Um, Drive to Survive took that kind of form for Formula One and the same team behind that, I think, are behind Breakpoint, which, which is Which I want to ask Joe about because yeah. that's your pick of the week, Joe, isn't it? And yeah. this is one I suspect I may be watching at home because Alien's a bit of a tennis obsessive. Uh, what's it like? Um, it's... Yeah, um, it's it, it, here's the interesting thing. It's the same team that did Drive to Survive, right? And Drive to Survive was, I, I'm not a big Formula One fan, but it made me interested in Formula One because it was so slick, it was so dramatic and the action and, you know, the, all these high-speed cars and these, you know, playboy drivers and, and the teams and everything. Tennis is, is an individual sport and tennis players, you know, by and large, are not very controversial or exciting. Now, the one thing that Breakpoint does have is they have uh, that guy Nick Curious. Kyri- yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Australian who, who's just dropped out of this year's Australian yes. Open because of injury. Yeah, and he's the bad boy of tennis. Mm-hmm. And even I know that as not much of a tennis fan. So I suppose, uh, I, you know, I'm, I remember Borg and McEnroe and Jimmy Connors and all those kind of guys. So what they're hoping, the, the guys who run the ATP tour and the, and the guys who run tennis, they're hoping that this Breakpoint on Netflix is starting is you know started is um is going to bring in a new audience uh to in the way that it did for formula 1 for drive to survive i'm not sure if 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 it can reach outside tennis but you know it's i think it's going to do very well Okay, your pick of the week, Elaine, is getting enormous pre-publicity starting tonight on Sky Atlantic and now TV the Last of Us. Yeah, this has been long awaited. Um, so it's based on a video game and the video game is out since uh, about 2013. And it's a very cinematic video game. It's based on kind of a zombie post-apocalyptic type story. Have you played it as a video game? Uh, it's a long time since I played it. I played it back in 2013. Um, but it is, it's one of those video games that has a lot of storytelling and world building to it. It's a real blockbuster type video game and it's beloved. And actually a super fan of the game a few years ago made uh, a YouTube series that kind of brought together the story of the game, like took away the gameplay and just kind of tried to capture the story of the game as if it was a TV show. And that al- alone got lots of uh, plaudits from fans and, and non-fans alike. So this is the best kind of IP from the gaming industry to be made into a TV show. And by all accounts from the early reviews, they have managed to do it really well and do it justice. And it could be like that's broken the curse of kind of turning these cinematic uh, video games into um like TV or, vi- or movie content, the famous flop would have been Assassin's Creed, which was also a video game with a lot of storytelling in it. Ended up being a film at Michael Fassbender that was not popular at all, just fell flat. Whereas, Why did it fall flat, do you think? I just don't, I, I actually can't tell you why it fell flat. It was just dull. Like for a video game, it was yeah. quite exciting with a lot of kind of traversing they different tried timelines. They Croft as well, didn't they? Movies. Yeah, the Lara Croft ones didn't do too badly. Sometimes they'll do well enough in that they'll hit that kind of action um blockbuster uh, kind of segment uh, like the Sonic movies for kids as well do really really well Pokemon's TV shows do really well for kids and animated ones do really well but this one's got prestige TV written all over and it's getting critical acclaim so it seems to be this is this is the video game TV show Would that interest you Joe? I mean does it matter that it originally came from a video game? 
I didn't. I saw a trailer for Last of Us, and I saw a lot of pre-publicity, and I kind of missed the fact that it was a, a video game. But it looks great. Uh, it, there's very good cast in it as well. I'd, I'd watch it, even if I I was planning to watch it, even when I you know I didn't know it was a video game. And the fact that it was a video game wouldn't put me off at all because it does look really, really good. And you know, as Liam was saying, the the, the pre-publicity for it has been has been fantastic. Actually, Joe, just briefly, and we are running late, yeah. but there's a listener who has mentioned something I didn't get to: Nicholas Lindhurst starring in the Frasier reboot. What do you make of that? This is very strange. Uh, Only Fools and Horses and Nicholas Lindhurst is going to co-star in the the Fraser reboot from Paramount+. And they're teasing, they're saying that um, they haven't given a lot of details. That's all we know. He's the first cast member to be announced. But the two actually have worked before uh, for Man Man in La Mancha in the English National Opera, (laughs) kind of bizarrely. So, And and also one of the things we do know is that Fraser is going to move to a different city uh, in this new... So maybe he's heading to London... I don't, that would be a very big shift, but it is a kind of a weird one. Nicholas would you watch that, Len? I'm a massive Fraser fan. I have no interest in this whatsoever. You've got no David Hyde Pierce, who was my favourite character yeah. as Niles on yeah. Fraser. You've got no John Mahoney, because sadly he passed away a few years ago. As far as I know, you don't have Jane Leaves, Perry Gilpin, all of the main characters that we loved from Fraser. I think you've just got Fraser. And I don't think he's beloved as he used to be. Poor Kelsey Grammer has had a rough few years since that show ended. Elaine Park and Joe Shea, thank you both very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.